we see? What was up your sleeve? Or? I don't know. What's up yours? We are not What? We are not good, chef. No. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Um, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, man, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Dicker versus a hurricane, who would win? Dicker. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane Dicker. Here they are, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in Hogan Johns with you on Black Friday. And I guess we're wearing black for the occasion. Uh, the Athletic has an amazing $1 per month deal. If you want to read our stuff, please check it out. There you go. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Um, did you enjoy your Thanksgiving? Everybody have a good Thanksgiving out there, I hope. I did. I did. I might have two sick kids, but you know uh-huh. how it goes. Uh, one day leads to another day, and you get thrown up on in the middle of the night. Oh, no. Not like um, it was the baby, but I don't think it was the stomach flu variety of sickness. It was her. So it wasn't uh, your wife? No, it was not my wife. <laughs> yeah. We had to clarify that. Yes. Okay, little, yes. Okay. A little spit up in the middle of the night from the baby. I got you. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um. Well, I did not have that happen to me. So, in perspective, yeah. Right. No, I had a great Thanksgiving. Enjoyed the football. Hope everybody out there uh, did as well. We appreciate you joining us as we preview week 12. John's thought it was week 14 already. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving ahead. I- I'm moving you ahead. You want it to be week 14. I want it to be week 14. Let's get this over with. Um, Did you just say, like, I hope everybody enjoyed? There's no way Bears fans enjoyed watching the Packers yeah. beat the Lions. There's no way Chicago enjoyed watching that. No, that for a number of different reasons. Obviously, you know, the Packers won a game, which is never enjoyable for Bears fans. But then they basically pummeled the team that the Bears just blew the game to four days ago, five days ago now. It had to be tough. Did you look at Jordan Love's stat line? It was pretty good. I mean, I didn't. I don't know. I don't know it off the top of my head. I I like the eye test. The eye test said he was. He had a really good game. He good for him. He he threw the ball really well. Twenty two for thirty two. That's basically sixty nine percent. Nice. Nice. Two hundred sixty eight passing yards. Three TDs. No interceptions. A passer rating. A season best passer rating of one hundred and twenty five point five zero. Sacks, zero sacks. He ran three times for 39 yards. The Packers, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Gold Bears. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Bob. Uh, pretty good. I mean, like the conversation with Justin Fields, we can't put too much stock into any one game, but if you are paying attention to Jordan Love, he had a great week one against the Bears. Things really dipped. He's been on the rise the last couple of weeks. And they're suddenly excited about their quarterback again, based on the text messages I was getting from my Wisconsin friends yesterday saying that he's going to win more Super Bowls than Aaron Rodgers did. <laughs> Which, by the way, is not that hard. 
so too. He hates um, kids. Aaron Rodgers hates kids. <laughs> Classic there. I mean, there there was some flukiness to to the, the success. Like there was that one pass that seemed to go through human beings. <laughs> you see that one? Yeah, that was insane. That the was like some Matrix pass. shit. That like was crazy. Even, even Jordan Love, yes. Matrix shit. Like, even Jordan Love acknowledged after the game. Like, I don't know how I got through there. Like, it literally goes through human beings <laughs> to, to his receiver for the completion in the end zone for the touchdown. So, like, that that happened. Yeah, that was a thing. But numbers are numbers. He looked good. I think what struck me, like, as I'm watching that, is just, like, how different the Packers' plan of attack was for the Lions as opposed to the Bears. So like what no stood out to you? Runs. Well, <laughs> there was like one design run that, yeah. that he took for, you know, some good yardage, but it was through the air. The Bears tried to to wear the lines down via the ground. It felt notable to me for evaluating quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, realistically, both styles worked. I mean, both teams had a double-digit lead. In the fourth quarter, one team held on to that lead and finished the game. The other did not. And but what I think was most impressive about what the Packers did yesterday is they had like eight starters out. Good players, key players on both sides of the ball. Aaron Jones. And it didn't seem to matter. So um, all of a sudden you look at those standings and the Seahawks have. They lost last night, and they have like three incredibly hard games coming up here. And before you know it, the Packers might be in the playoffs. As are the Vikings, the team the Bears play this week, which we're going to get into as well. Um, I thought something that was notable, uh, the Lions uh, have now played two pretty bad games back-to-back in just a four-day stretch. And the fake punt call yesterday was a bad call. A bold call, and they converted one of those in week one against the Chiefs, you know, back in their own territory. But that's on tape now. And teams are aware that the Lions could do that at any given time. And the Packers seemed ready for it, not only based on how they played the play, but how they lined up formationally. And either the Lions didn't have a check out of that, which is really bad, or they did, and they just didn't check out of it, and they tried I, to run it anyway. I think they missed it. All those plays, you know it. They, they all have checks to them. Yeah. They so if that's it. the case, and let's assume for a minute that's the case. So Dan Campbell gets up to the podium after the game and takes full responsibility for it. Says, that's on me. I shouldn't put those players in that position. And maybe that's his admission right there that you know he asked the players to do a little too much they missed a check. Regardless, he's taking the blame. Follow-up question. That's on me. Can't have it. Shouldn't have done that. That just seemed notable to me. That the head coach, just full responsibility. I love that from the head coach. I like that from Dan. I guess my question for you is, why does it feel notable? Because I don't think the Bears head coach does that. What if he does it I'm playing devil's advocate here because I know what you're going. I know what road you're going down. What if he does it behind closed doors? I hope he does. We're not buying those closed doors, so I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know what he does. Um, 
you know, in the team meetings, but I hope he does. I hope he says, you know, that's, that's a bad call on me. Shouldn't have done that because that goes a long way with the players, but let's also not pretend like the press conferences don't matter at all. Yeah. I mean, the I players say like public accountability still matters. Like players yeah. see it, other positions or other staff members see it. And I, you know, Flus did. I will, I will say last week he did mention coaches being better more than he has in the past. But if you missed it, go check it out. It's on my Twitter account. What Dan Campbell said, clear and concise. Nobody's fault, but mine, even if behind the scenes, maybe there's a player that knows that he's the one who effed up. Think about how that player feels that the head coach went up there and took the blame. Well, I'm, I'm guessing the guy it's, yeah. it's the, if we're looking at the, the specific play, it's probably the guy who ran the ball. The well, probably, the, him. Yeah. Yeah. The personal protector, is basically the quarterback on those plays. But and, to your point, I think the the strength and the simplicity of his statement, like that's all you have to say. But that's all that needs to be said sometimes. Mm-hmm. Didn't need a long, elaborate explanation. He just that's on me. That's I mean, I think there's some strength or there's there's importance in that simplicity sometimes, which I think it's lost as we've seen here in Chicago where we get word salads and whatnot. It's just it's as I put on Twitter, it's it's just not that hard. And and this is something I've been saying all season. We've given a couple examples that Mike Tomlin has said throughout the season. Now here's one from Dan Campbell. But I don't know. I just that that really because it was obvious in the moment that the Lions F that up. And then to see Dan Campbell after the game take the accountability like that, I just I appreciate it. And I thought it was notable. Um all right, before we bring in our friend Alec Lewis, who covers the Vikings for The Athletic, um, I want to share my working list of head coaching candidates. Okay? So we're kind of getting to that time of the year where Tom Pelissero put out his annual list of rising head coaching candidates last week. Albert was on do you know who's on that list? I uh, Luke Getzi's on that list. Okay. Yeah, Luke Getzi's on that list. Um you think he should be on that list? I have no problem if he's on that list. I have no problem. I, if it's probably based on Tom's reporting. And I'll I'll say this for all the Luke Getzi critics. I think the perception of him around the league is is a bit more favorable. I think you'd be surprised at how favorable it is in a league that wants to really establish run games again. Mm-hmm. Luke Getzi's done that, but go on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Albert Breer reported some stuff earlier in the week, too, you know, about change. You we're just starting to feel the change. Uh, we've been through this before. Thanksgiving starts to get to the holiday season, and all of a sudden the reality of maybe where the Bears are um, and I got to be honest, that loss in Detroit on Sunday kind of changed my perspective on the whole thing, at least a little bit. I think that was an enormous loss for Matt Eberflus. So anyway, let's just uh, say you're Kevin Warren right now. I'm not even going to go Ryan Poles. You're Kevin Warren. You got to start thinking about these things if you haven't already. And Barry Alvarez used to always say you know, he had a list of five coaches in his pocket at any given time because if you don't, you're not doing your job properly. You never know when you might need to do that. So here's my working list of top five right now. All right. Number one, 
It's Jim Harbaugh. I'm not afraid to go down this road, Johns. And when I hear, and I keep going back to this. Now, this is my list, but I'm going to eat on each one, maybe rep, you know, bring in Kevin Warren to the situation too. But so for, for my perspective, Jim Harbaugh has done nothing but win at every level he's coached, including the NFL. Does he ruffle feathers along the way? Damn sure he does. Um, but he wins. And I think this is a franchise that's been too scared to make the big move sometimes. He coached and had success with a running quarterback in Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. So if you want to keep Justin Fields, I think he's a good coach for Justin Fields. Obviously coached against him in college a bunch. Very familiar with his play. Um, if you want to go down on a different road and draft a different quarterback, I'd want somebody like Jim Harbaugh to help make that decision before you make this move a year from now. Um, Does Kevin Warren have him on the top of his list, though? So Kevin Warren. Um, I don't know, man. I'm 50-50 on this. Because I don't, I know that Kevin Warren had icy relationships with a lot of the coaches when he was in charge of the Big Ten. A lot of that had to do with how COVID played out. I think a lot of that with proper perspective behind us has been smoothed out. Watered under the bridge. Yeah. Um, and I go back to Kevin Warren's opening press conference and just his style. Where he says, well, instead of instead of just saying we can't do things, why not? Why can't, why can't we? Why can't we make that big move? Why can't we build that giant stadium? That's Kevin Warren's mentality. So, it, to me, if there was one time in the Bears' history where they would make a move going after a guy like Jim Harbaugh, this is this is this could be it. In the moment seems right, right? Yeah, I think so. Like this could be it for him at Michigan for a variety of reasons. Could go out with a national championship and maybe bring a quarterback with them. Something to think about. Yeah. So head coaching experience there, winning in the NFL. Also just, I mean, not that you're worried about it, but in terms of publicity and attention to the Chicago Bears, you hire Jim Harbaugh and all of a sudden the Bears are a national story. All the time, good or bad, I guess. Uh, number two, want to prioritize some previous head coaching experience while also looking at what a guy is doing right now. And I think Brian Flores, whenever he gets his second chance to be a head coach, is going to do well. And he's doing a phenomenal job with the Vikings defense right now. Um, his situation ending in Miami was a little weird. There was definitely some behind-the-scenes stuff that, let me put it this way, he didn't deserve to be fired for his coaching. And I think he is a prime candidate as somebody who will get a second chance to fix maybe some of the things that were on him in that situation, while also understanding that a lot of that was not on him. And um, meanwhile, he's a phenomenal coach, and he's proving that right now. Here's my here's what my experience covering the Bears tells me though. You have an offensive coach coming in. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna ruin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you go from Lovey Smith to Mark Tressman to John Fox to Matt Nagy to Matt Eberflus. Offensive head coach is next. 
Yeah. So am I reading too much into that, or 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 am I making too much of that history with the Bears? Just the the swinging of back and forth because they did go Jerron Lovey, two defensive coordinators, um, but that's that's a long time ago, and different leadership has been entrenched here for some time. Yeah. Um. No, I think you're on to something, though. But again, I think, okay, now let's look at through this Kevin Warren's eyes. No idea what type of relationship, if any, Kevin Warren has with Brian Flores. I know Kevin Warren knows a lot of people, though. And I'm guessing he at least knows people who knows Brian. He also definitely still has strong ties to people inside the Vikings organization. And whatever, you know, they've learned about Brian Flores in a very short period of time, there's probably some back channel stuff that he'll... The point is, whatever happened in Miami, Kevin Warren's going to know everything, and I think he's a prime candidate to have a really good run as a second and a second chance to be a head coach. Also, personal preference plays more of a style of defense that I prefer. Attack, yeah, not so vanilla. Something so that might endear himself to the uh, another attacking defense that used to call the city home. Not John Fox. I'm going way back. The uh, 46. Okay. George McCaskey's in the conversation. You know, yeah, that's okay. all you have to oh, say. Yeah, I guess you do got to sell. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, okay. If you got to sell Georgia with Harbaugh, I'd say Harbaugh is your closest thing to hiring Dicka again. There you go. All right. So if you got to, if you got to pull on the heartstrings a little bit, that's, that's how I would go. All right. Now to your point, um, kind of think that they could go offense. Now I'm, I want to be clear here. I don't, I am, this is a list because I'm prioritizing certain things. I like the idea of hiring a coach who's been there before. And I know a lot of fans feel the same way. Someone who's played in the league too. But I also don't think that you should just cross candidates off your list because they don't have head coaching experience or they would be a first time head coach. So if we're going to go down that road, number three for me is the guy who just pants Matt Eberflus in the fourth quarter on Sunday from a schematic standpoint and just marched up and down the field, had answer to every single defense the Bears put out there in the biggest moment, who's turned Jared Goff into somebody who's having a resurrection, although it wasn't so good yesterday, obviously. But that's Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator. Now, schematically, offensively, I think he fits a lot of things you want to do here with Justin Fields. The idea that he's... what he's I don't need somebody who's like, who's... Who's done well with Patrick Mahomes? I need somebody who's done well with a guy like Jared Goff to kind of resurrect that career to pair with Justin Fields if I'm keeping Justin Fields as my quarterback. Now, can he be a head coach? Because he's never been one. That's obviously the vetting you have to do. And that's why Ben Johnson isn't necessarily number one on my list right now. But he's definitely somebody I want to talk to. Definitely somebody I want to figure out if he can be that head coach. And if I feel comfortable with it, I'm not afraid to pull the trigger. I feel like a coach like Ben Johnson would need almost like a ready-made situation, right? Like uh, where the offensive mind is all that's missing mm. in, in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. sometimes like there's risk in going after that hot name coordinator. Sure. There's risk, that, you know, especially with, if he's going to be, as they always say, the cliche, the leader of men. You know, he's only leading half the team in a sense, and you want to see see more. You, you need more information sometimes. So if he has a, like a 
a team ready made not be might 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 not be the best way to put it, but a team that's close, maybe with the young up and coming quarterback like the Bears or someone who's like proven, like a Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins seem to work right mm-hmm. away. You know, I Ben Johnson, it seems to me in terms of his head coaching candidacy, like the 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 city where he's going seems very important. I agree. I agree. And I think those are fair points, which is why he's not necessarily number one. Same with this next guy who's been very, very impressive this year and comes from a coaching tree right now that is all the rage. (laughs) Right. Um, But that's Bobby Slowick in Houston who came over from San Francisco, from the Kyle Shanahan coaching staff what came over with D'Amico Ryans and is doing an unbelievable job with CJ Stroud this year. Uh, I believe he's only 36 years old. He's young like Ben Johnson. I understand why fans are scared of going down this route. Um, again, though, I, and I don't know Bobby Slowick, right? This is the job of Kevin Warren and those involved to understand these guys. But Mike McDaniel went from quarterback coach under Kyle Shanahan to in the poll you guys had in the athletic, the players poll this past week, number two on the list of head coaches players would want to play for besides their own. Number one was Mike Tomlin. Number two was Mike Daniel. I think there's like one thing. Mike McDaniel. Mike like McDaniel. if if like, so like Luke gets, he's like, he's not directly from the tree. He's from an extension of that tree. Mm-hmm. But if you get a coach who's actually directly from that tree, like a Mike McDaniel, like, I, I feel like there's such a unique confidence that comes with it and how they just, it's just not their game planning. It's just like, it's a confidence that seems to permeate the entire organization. And I don't know how long it lasts, but Kyle Shanahan always seems to give me that, that vibe to him, right? Not afraid to speak his mind to the media. Not afraid to speak to media at all. Yeah. And damn good play callers to begin with. And again, he's, I mean, you're seeing when he he leaves Kyle Shanahan with a rookie quarterback and he's, you know, the Texans might make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, I I understand, like, the risk in not having Kyle Shanahan as, like, your play caller. Like, when you hire one of these guys, like, oh, but they didn't call plays. Right? Like, Kyle handles all that. But now you're seeing Mike McDaniel have success. You're seeing Bobby Slowick have success. So, obviously, there's been something that carries on and I, I almost want to say if you read some of the stuff like about Kyle Shanahan in the past some of it might be the actual well here's a buzzword for you have you heard this one before collaboration mm-hmm, I've heard that yeah <laughs> collaboration I think we have a shirt that says that hoganjohns.com uh hey uh number five so now we're kind of like right I'm gonna give you some honorable mentions here too and I think this one kind of blends into the honorable mentions, but I want to have a conversation with Eric Bieniemy too. Um, I don't know all the details of why this guy hasn't gotten his opportunity, but, um, and maybe he's going to get that opportunity in Washington. It's nine 42 in the morning as we're recording on black Friday. Has Ron Rivera been fired yet? Don't think so. Because honestly, if that's a move I'm making in Washington right now, I would like to see Eric Bieniemy coach the final what do they got? Five games left, six games left, depending on their bye week situation. Um, I'd like to see 
this seems like an opportunity to finally let Eric Bieniemy run the show and give him an audition. So I'd like to know that. A um, couple honorable mentions as well. I still like Dan Quinn. I thought that's who they should have hired instead of Fluce of their finalists, at least. I thought Dan Quinn was, um, again, another guy who has been a head coach before getting a second opportunity. I, I'm laughing because this would be like his third time interviewing. Yeah, it would be. Um, I, I'm sure George McCaskey could, could ask Ted Phillips for Ryan Pace's notes on Dan Quinn. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but he's still on my list and he's still, still doing have, a good, he's still doing a good job in Dallas. Yeah. They could call up their old friend, Bill Polian for his notes on Dan Quinn. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I mean, you know, I got to go special teams too. I got to give some special teams love here, but Chris Orton, the Ravens special teams coordinator, 38 years old. You guys know that I'm, this goes back years, way before I was even coaching. I just think special teams coordinators should get more looks than they do. They coach the whole team. I think they're most qualified to be more in that CEO type role and know how to do it. Um, I don't know Chris personally, but you know he's coming from the Harbaugh, John Harbaugh coaching staff. They're always well coached. They know how to do special teams. Dave Tobes from that same coaching tree. Um, and so for a young coordinator, Chris Orton's at least a, an honorable mention for me. Okay. So there you go. There's some names. Who is um, Joe Judge? Was he the last special teams coordinator? Hired? Yes. But Joe Judge was also, if I remember right, he was like coaching wide receivers one year, and then he was the special teams coordinator. Like, I don't know that classic, he was. Classic Patriot stuff where they just kind of yeah. walk around a bit. Yeah. Um. Chris was, has been yeah. Chris has been with the Ravens since 2014. He went from an intern to assistant special teams coach, then got promoted to special teams coach, learning under John Harbaugh. Um, the Ravens that now I'm reading from uh, this is from um, Tom Pelissero's coaching list that he has every year. Uh, Ravens finished number one. In special teams in 2021, number three last year. It's not just because of Justin Tucker. Harbaugh has given Orton ownership over the operation, and he's run with it, coaching up players from both sides of the ball. So there you go. <sighs> start start thinking about it. Doesn't mean it's not a final list. It's just the working list. We can add more. Could take guys off. I'm really targeting those first two guys I mentioned, though. Jim Harbaugh, really three. I want Ben Johnson in the conversation yeah, like, too. Yeah. At this point, I feel like I have a lot of experience. If the Bears want advice, I've I, I've covered five head coaching searches. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, uh, some of us in that media room have actually covered more. Um. Sometimes the the no brainer is just that it's it's it for a reason. Yeah. Sometimes you don't need a bunch of information. You know who the top candidate is. You know who fits best. Go get him. Yeah. All right. Um, let's get to Alec Lewis. Uh, we do have to, a game to talk about. There's still games left in the season as much as Johns wants to jump ahead to week 14. <laughs> hey, buddy, we do have a bye coming up. So that's good. 
I got plans during the bye. Yeah, no, me too. All right. Um, but Alec Lewis, you've heard him before. Does a great job covering the Vikings. We talked to him a few weeks ago, the first time the Bears play the Vikings. And uh, Adam Johns is going to handle this one for us as he talks to Alec Lewis to figure out what's going on with the Kirk Cousins-less Minnesota Vikings. Alec, happy Thanksgiving. How are you? Here's the first game question I have for you. How much is Brian Flores going to blitz Justin Fields on Monday night? <laughs> yeah, first, thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody um, as well. Uh, yeah, he's probably going to blitz him a lot. You know, I went back and I looked at the snaps that Justin played against Brian Flores the first time around. I think it was 35 total snaps. He was 6 of 10 passing in that span. Really, the issue from what I recall, and, and you might remember this better than I do, but pass protection and just protection in general, with the, including the running backs, was really, <laughs> was really a mess. And so I believe Brian Flores, the way he operates, he's going to test your weak, weak link. So he will probably ensure that pass protection for the Bears in front of Justin Fields can hold up. And if they can't, then he will send the house. You know, it's it is interesting, I will say, um, the perception of Brian Flores at the moment from the outside is he blitzes every single time. This is how, but really over the past four weeks, he's done a ton of drop eight, drop coverage, play zones, force force you deep to short. And, uh, and so it'll be interesting against a quarterback like Justin that he's had success with blitzing, how he operates. And, and so that's why I do answer yes, I I think he will blitz, especially early on. So before we brought you on, uh, my, my podcast partner, who decided to skip this interview, by the way, you know, Adam, I don't know what he's got going on, but, you know, we can make fun of him later. I don't know what I did to him, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, that's on him. That's on him. Don't worry. You're good. Um, he had Brian Flores on his list of head coaching candidates. What do you think of his candidacy? Like, how is he viewed there, I guess, in, in Minnesota? Like, how, how is he getting along with that locker room? How is he taking charge of that defense? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, really, from the time he got here, the the way that he has gelled with the personnel and the players, and and there has been a targeted, targeted effort from him, without question, to be more fun, to have more fun, um, to prioritize that, to prioritize the way he handles the media. I mean, he will it's a very small, ridiculous thing that fans probably do not care about. But like every week, he, he's like, he'll 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 call your name out. He knows who you are. I mean, it, he has made a really, I believe, intentional effort to improve in some of the areas that probably were his blind spots in Miami. And just from my perspective, given the way that he has transformed this specific defense, with which is devoid of talent from – I believe they were in the in the lower 20s last year in DVOA defensively, and now they're ranked ninth currently. I mean, too, I've done that in a year-over-year -year span while also being, being mindful about his blind spots. I, I don't know how you couldn't think of this guy as a really solid candidate. I mean, just very aware. Um, he obviously grew up in the game the way he did, so his mannerisms, his – style is kind of what it is but I, I i think he's smart enough and aware enough to realize that times change that people change that you got to coach players differently and so um yeah from what he's done it's 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 really kind of blown me away in as short of a time span as as he's done it kind of going off that like how, 
how good of a job is Kevin O'Connell, in your opinion, like doing this season? Just in terms of being it's his second year as a head coach, right? Like no star receiver, no starting quarterback who is having an exceptional year before his injury. Like and, and here the Vikings are still in playoff contention, still winning games somehow. Like take me through his success as a head coach. Yeah, and it's just not it's not just those guys. I mean, you lose Jordan Hicks, who's your starting linebacker, your green dot, your communication guy uh in the middle of the field. You lose Marcus Davenport, who is one of your priority signings as an edge rusher on defense. You lose, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Cam Akers, who was the team's backup running back, who they went out and signed and had started to really kind of assume as many carries as Alexander Madison. So it has been a gauntlet of working through adversity and when you start the season 0 and 3 1 and 4 and a lot of those losses were as a byproduct of turnovers to be able to keep this locker room together and push forward and then adapt the offense to as many quarterbacks as they they have yeah it's it's a very impressive job i i found this stat the other day but when they don't turn the ball over or when they when they break even or win the turnover margin since he's been the head coach here they're 16 and 0 like they literally haven't lost when they break even or win the turnover margin. That's not solely a coaching stat, but it's just fascinating in that when they don't make mistakes, they're in position to win the football game. And he deserves a lot of credit for a lot of things. I mean, he also prioritized Brandon Powell as a free agent signing. He's been a great serviceable wide receiver when they've needed him. So, um, yeah, kudos goes to this this staff and Kevin specifically for what they've been able to do. It's pretty fascinating. I feel like every time I come on here with you guys, it's like some different – like it, it'd be like the totally – if you told me the last time I was on what's going to happen the next time, I'd be like, what are you guys even talking about? But that's yeah. just – that's the way it's gone. We can't talk about my guy, Kirk Cousins. No. I know. He's, he's, he's for the year. I, I don't know what else to, to bring up. Okay. The Josh Dobbs story. Like is this – is it done? Is the magic over with? Does does he have a little bit more magic? I mean, it's one of my favorite stories, like in, in the the entire league. But I know, like, eventually that story fades away. Like, where is it now? I guess in that that arc right now in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so funny because he. He, after his first game against Atlanta, where it was mayhem, and somehow they were able to win that game without him having taken a real rep, um, he said after that game, like, you know what? In this league, if you don't perform the next week, people don't really care. And that's the most cliche thing in the world, but it's also correct. And so if Monday night he goes out against a Bears defense that you know as well as I do can stop the run specifically and can be pretty feisty, I think, if they go out and stifle him, on Monday night against the Vikings, I mean, in, in in prime time in front of Vikings fans, then people are going to be like, ah, I don't know. But I truly do believe that he is capable of continuing some of what he started in terms of specifically the athleticism. I mean, you will be surprised watching the game, and most people, I believe, of just like, how is he able – this guy, is he really that athletic? Like, is he really? can he really shrug off linebacker? He he has blown me away, even in, Denver, in the Denver game that they lost, with his athleticism. The question that he's going to have to prove continuously is, A, can he sort through protection, protection efficiently every single week? And, B, can he be accurate on passes down the field? And maybe the accuracy is a – 
rhythm and timing of the offense thing, or maybe it's just his own mechanics, but that's been the one area that has probably stuck out of if the magic carpet ride ends, it's probably because he struggles placing the ball in guys' hands on the run uh, down the field. And, and Chicago's going to obviously test them, specifically if Justin Jefferson's not playing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does perform in that on that stage for another uh, another primetime yeah, game. You see some of those highlights, and you're like, how is this guy not sacked? And he's just, <laughs> it's just going. And for a team like the Bears that still struggles to – like the sack the quarterback, I, I could see his scrambles, like those wild scrambles becoming like a problem for the Bears. If they can't keep him like from crossing the line of scrimmage, like if he if he's able to like step up, like I mean, you've seen it. I mean, it's gotta give the Vikings so much juice so that the, the changes keep moving. It's crazy. I mean, it is like I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like he's a Jedi, it's like he's in the matrix. Like I don't <laughs> it'll be bounce up, 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 wheel around. You're just like I mean, the only thing I've seen that's like that for my own life watching football is when I was in high school watching Cam Newton at Auburn. And it was just like, how is this guy torching people down the field? And, and like to say that Josh Dobbs is even able to evoke that type of image in my head is kind of absurd because I didn't know he was capable of it. But um, yeah, it, it'll test. You know, you know how it is, Adam. You've been around these coaches. Oh, rush lanes, rush lanes. We got to be yeah. run, contain the rush. Uh It'll test the Bears without question on Monday night in that regard. But it's really a balance, too, I think, that he deals with of when do I create and when when do I just be the pocket guy? Because he can kind of do both. And striking that balance, to me, is probably going to dictate how far this Vikings offense goes. Yeah, I wonder if the Bears try to spy him and maybe use some of their advantages in the secondary to to use that spy. Um Justin Jefferson does not care about your fantasy team, my fantasy team, anyone's fantasy team. I think he tweeted that what like two days ago. Um, what's the update on his health status? Is he a real option for coming back Monday night? Yeah. Um, is he a real option? I, I would say the odds are probably low on it happening. Um, I'll ne I'm never going to say never because this guy who is a competitor and wants to play over anything else. Um, this team from the very beginning of this situation, which was a hamstring strain in week five, was very focused on the long term. We want to do right by this guy. We want him to feel 100% healthy when he comes back. We're going to need him down the stretch of what we believe is going to be a playoff uh, type run race to, to get in the playoffs. And so – They've taken the long-term approach from the outset. They still continue to, to have that approach. The Vikings have a bye week next week. So to be able to, 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 to not play him Monday night and then use him, to, have him continue to rest up through the bye and push towards the back half where they play the Lions twice, where they play Green Bay, um, to me that's, that's probably where the likelihood of, of his return lies after that. But again, just given the competitor he is and knowing it's a Monday night game in prime time where he probably performs his best and a team that really needs to win, I'm never going to say never. And uh, it'll be fun to see him back with Josh Dobbs. He's never played with the guy who scrambles this way. So um be interesting to see when he's back. All right, I know it's Friday morning. This game is more than 48 hours away. How do you feel about the matchup? How do you see this playing out? Do you, do you have some sense of a pick at this point yet? Yeah, look, like Chicago's run defense and the Vikings' inept run game is a pairing that is difficult for me to kind of overcome. 
when they played the first time around, I believe the Vikings averaged nine yards to get a first down on, on each third down that they had. So it was like third and nine on average. And the Vikings only converted two of those 13 uh, third downs. And that was with Kirk Cousins, who is a, a obviously a precise passer compared to Josh Dobbs, who probably isn't. So that statistic alone and third down and long and the potential of that kind of scares me. But ultimately, just in prime time at home, given the coaching that the Vikings have had with Brian Flores and Kevin O'Connell, it's it's going to be hard for me to pick against the Vikings. I don't I don't know specific score. I mean, I'd probably go twenty four to thirteen or something like that. But I I, I uh, if you give me a couple more days, I'll really zero in on it and read the script probably, and then come up with something perfect. <laughs> uh, I wonder. I always wonder what that script holds for the Bears and what we what, yeah, what I have to yeah, cover. It's a great, I know. Every time I read the Bears parts of it, I'm like, man, a great job. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alec, um, thanks, man. Um, we'll see you in a couple of days. I'm glad you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, great stuff as always. Um, check out his stuff on the athletic and I and check out his stuff again, one dollar a month, right? Check out the deal we have going for the athletic. So, yeah. Yeah. Um 12 bucks for a full year. Um, great deal there, um, especially going this week on The Athletic. Alec, thank you so much. Uh, be sure to follow him again on Alec underscore Lewis on Twitter. Thanks, man. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. It was always fun. And, uh, Ho- I mean, come on. He, he's just yeah. ducking me. It's okay. <laughs> he's scared. He's scared. Yeah. 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 All right, right Hogue, let's get right to it. Three big questions. What do you make of the Montez Sweat playing time, evaluation, criticism, conversation? So, I'm going to, believe it or not, I'm going to defend the coaching staff a little bit here. Um, When it comes to guys being in shape, having to play a lot, knowing the right times when they really need a breather, when they don't, you need to actually know your players. So let's not forget Montez Sweat's been here for like three weeks. He basically a month now. And I'm being serious. Like there are certain guys, even coaching at the high school level, right? Like we you guys playing on defense that after a long drive, they have to go on kick kick return. And there's certain guys who I know, they never want to come off. So if they're asking for a blow, they really need a blow. Okay, then there's other guys where they ask for a blow and you kind of like, come on, man, do you really right now? And you tell them to go back out there on the field. It, it's a feel thing. And you got to know who's who in those situations. Who's willing to go who never wants to come off the field, who asks off more times than not. And I don't know that they know that with Montez Sweat yet, if that makes sense. That This just comes with time. So I, I'm not saying that that's the whole reason why he's coming off or not, but I just think there's still a feeling out process that's going on, I'd imagine, right now. So his 39 snaps against Detroit, and let's not forget that. The Bears held the ball for what, 40 minutes? 40 minutes, right? 
That's a good point. The defense was not really on the field in that game. No. Yeah. No. I, I, I get if you're... you're... No. <laughs> <laughs> so his 39 snaps are his second fewest this season. The His least amount of playing time was 33 snaps that he played in a 24-16 win for the Commanders over the Falcons in Week 6. His season high in snaps is 58 that he played against the Eagles in a 34-31 loss in week four. I, I guess, like, I understand that players rotate, but, like, at the same time, you need your best players on the field, right? You could, you could The coaches themselves can end the rotation at any moment they want. Like, no, we need you on this one, you know? We're paying you $98 million. Be on the field. I mean, they're not going to say that, but you get my point. Like, you're supposed to be this multiplier. Go F and multiply things. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Instead, you get some traction when you leave the field. Yeah. All right, number two. Is this a must win for Justin Fields when it comes to his team's evaluation of him? Let me repeat that. Is this the must win for Justin Fields when it comes to his team's evaluation of him? I would say only if it really comes down to him making a play with the ball in his hands and he either makes it or not. Otherwise, I think the nuance of what's the situation, did the defense make enough stops, all those types of things. Like Nobody's blaming Justin Fields for the loss to the Lions. Most people, including myself, feel like they didn't really give him the chance to go out there and do it. But if he does get that chance in the fourth quarter and he throws a really bad interception or something like that, then I would say that, then yeah, that that was a must-win situation and he didn't get it done. Or he did get it done. But if it doesn't really come down to that, then then no. I think like the micro story here is important. It's how does he handle an aggressive defense that's going to blitz the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. How does he handle a defense that the last time he played them, he got hurt because he held the ball too long. You know, like this, th- these are things that you play get better against the Vikings here and, and the conversation changes a bit. I agree. Now this one, I have a different answer on number three. Is this a must-win for Matt Eberflus when it comes to his team's evaluation of him? Yes. Because I honestly think all these games are must-wins at this point. I, 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 I really think that things change with that loss on Sunday. And when I think of ways that he could save his job, I'm like... You, at minimum, I feel like need to go four and two. And you badly need to beat a divisional team. Yeah. And you only ha- and you only have two of these left. Right? You have one more chance to beat the Vikings and one more chance to beat the Packers. And that Packer game, who knows what the situation you're in then? That's week 18. That's that could be Justin Fields is sitting for a draft position. I mean, who knows? So uh, yes, that, to, to me, this is absolutely 100% a must-win for Matthew Flores. Over-unders. 
go through these quickly. From Barry to Bear fan, number of times Flus says execute in his press conferences from now until Monday. He didn't give me an over under, but I'm gonna set it at seventeen and a half. <laughs> seventeen and a half. That's actually wait. So he's got any use of the word execute execution to Let's qualify. It's two press conferences. That's a lot two for two, two press conferences. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say under because this podcast has a lot of influence. And and this and, and this might get mentioned to him. Don't say execute as much. So we have some control here. Over yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. We're joking, but we know yeah. people listen to this at House Hall. Because um, they tell us. I'm going to say under, but just barely. It, again, though, going back to the Dan Campbell thing I said earlier, like you didn't hear him be like, "Oh, we just got to execute that better." No, it's no, we shouldn't have done that, and that's on me. All right, we have a game over under from Ryan Finley. I hate to say this, I really do. Over under and Fields' fumbles, half. Yeah, I, it's a totally fair over under, and and I have to say over because that's been a that's been a problem. And even last week, he did a great job holding on to the ball. But then right at the end, not that it was his fault at all, but you had that one play that you just feel like is inevitable. That Darnell Wright gets you know gets beat on his block, strip sack, safety. So I, they might recover it, but I do think he fumbles at least once. From Preston Ryan, over under broad, broadcast comments on Flus's job security with bye week coming up. Half. I think you get at least two mentions. I don't know if the words job security will be used, but his well, his job security will be discussed. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean. It's over. You'll get one of those weird Monday Night Football caricature graphics where they're randomly in like a saloon or something, those weird things they do, and they'll pop up his record against the NFC North, which they should. Honestly, if they don't bring that up, his overall record, his NFC North record, if that stuff doesn't get put on a graphic in the middle of the game, then they're not doing the broadcast correctly. So I'm going to say over on that for sure. From Cole, here's one I think might be interesting. Here, let me read this again. I'm tired. Here's (laughs) one I think might be an interesting one to track this week and going forward. Mentions of Kevin Warren on the broadcast, one and a half. Um. This game, you're get you're going over on this game because he's returning to Minneapolis. Well, he was instrumental in the creation of that wonderful stadium. So mm-hmm. I think you get three or four shots of him actually wherever he is in in what whether whatever suite he's in throughout the game. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm assuming he'll be in the owner suite where the Vikings change out I think I told this story before they they change the photo on the wall for every game in the owner's suite so this week it'll be a Viking like sacking Justin Fields or something have I told you that mm-hmm. yeah so they, they kind of troll the owner I like that in the owner they also put the owner suite right in the middle of like the it's not the main concourse but it's like the suite like if he needs to go to the bathroom he has to go out in the not that George cares he's a man of the people do you remember the owner's suite in the two or three years that the Vikings played in Minnesota Stadium? 
which was right next, oh, to, yeah. the press box. next to the press box. Yeah. How the first year we were there, we saw the entire McCaskey family sitting with Phil Emery, like mm-hmm. right there. And then that was the, that was the last game of Mark Tresson, was it not? And Phil and Phil. Um, and then the following, but I, I just remember how stoic Phil Emery was just like taking notes and George McCaskey just going nuts. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> Peggy Kaczynski, like right there. See one right next to it, like taking pictures the, the entire way. That's also the opposing athletic director suite for gopher games. So back when I was covering Wisconsin football, like that's where Barry Alvarez would be in there and you would just hear him going ballistic the whole game. Yes. yes. Like so this- you could see him cause he still had the coach in him too. Cause at that point he was probably only five years removed from being the head coach and he would just, he would just be losing his mind in the box. <laughs> and now I think the, last, the second year we went there was uh, they had the shaded glass, whatever you want to call it. All right, let's make our picks. Yep, here we go. Monday night, ABC ESPN 715. Bears at Vikings. Vikings are a three-point favorite. I think it's going to be. What do we got? I mean, we got to go bold. Um, I think Justin Fields throws for three touchdowns in this game. Let me amend that. Accounts for three touchdowns. Maybe one's a rushing touchdown. Go bold. Throw. Okay. Fine. Throw in three. There you go. But I do think they carry some offensive success over. I think that they make adjustments from the first game against the Vikings. And there there is some success. I see a different game. I, I see a defensive battle. Okay. I see... I don't want to give the, the pick six to Jalen Johnson because I don't think that opportunity is going to be there. I'll say pick six for Eddie Jackson. Okay. Eddie Jackson. Um, I think this is a defensive battle. Um, I think the blitzing gives Justin Fields some problems. I think you're looking at a score here. I don't know, something. We'll say like 19, 19 16 Bears. I am going Bears. Wow. But it's going to be like an ugly, an ugly hard-fought 1916 win for the Chicago Bears. So I'm right there with you in that I've been leaning Bears all week. I think that part of that is I do think the Bears are able to carry over some of the success they had in Detroit. They've they've shown an ability to do that. Like they're not going to come out and just have a clunker because of how bad of a loss that was. And on the flip side, like, I don't know, Josh Jobs, his stories it's a great story, but there's still just something missing there. And I, I and I do, I do feel like the Bears should be able to slow him down. All that being said, I am not picking this team to win a football game in the NFC North until they prove that they can do it. So my gut is telling me the Bears win. My logic and looking at this matchup tells me the Bears find a way to win, but they just don't do it. And last week was another example of that. Until they prove they get over the hump, I'm not picking them to win. So I'm going Vikings 24, Bears 21. Okay. All right, let's get to uh, three other games since there's already three off the docket. We're just going to pick three this week. We'll fly through these to end the show. Fox Noon, Panthers at Bears' number one pick. Panthers at Titans. Titans, three and a half point favorites. 
Two bad teams. Give me the Titans and Will Levis by a touchdown. Um, I that that's that's a tricky line. Three and a half. <sighs> Reluctantly picking the Titans because it's in Nashville, but something tells me that might be closer. Uh, CBS Fox. Patriots at Giants. Giants, three and a half point dogs at home. You can't really lose in this, right? If you're the Bears. All that matters for the Bears in the first pick is that the Panthers continue to lose at this point, right? Yeah. Patriots are in play for it, though. Yeah, I mean. So are the Giants. Yeah, maybe a tie here. Ooh. I think that might actually help them. I don't know. Um. I'm taking Tommy DeVito. You are? Yeah. I'm going to say, oh, man. And these the are tough. God, these are crappy games. Give me the Giants just because they're getting three and a half. I think the Patriots win outright. And then CBS 325. This is a good one. Bills look back on track last week. Now they go to Philly. Philly coming off their big win against the Chiefs. The Eagles are three-point favorites. Eagles by a touchdown. Yeah, I'm going to go Eagles here, too. They just keep finding ways to win. Um, it's been a down think. year for Josh Allen. Yeah, it's just herky-jerky. not what everybody expected to be. Yeah, I know they got back on track last week, but this is a totally different animal going to Philly. So I will also take the Eagles. All right, it'll be a fun uh, weekend of football. And uh, depending on how quickly you're listening to this, don't forget about the Black Friday game. Although you do have to watch uh, Tim Boyle play uh, if you do do that. And uh, plenty of college games this weekend. Also, shout out to everyone competing in the IHSA state championship games this weekend. All 16 teams down there in Bloomington. Uh, good luck to everyone involved. Those games will be on Friday, four on Friday, four on Saturday as well. So you got every level of football you want this weekend. It's a great weekend of football. I hope you guys all enjoy it with your family and friends. And it all ends on Monday night with Bears Vikings, enjoy the game. We will have the post game right afterwards. Are we talking about a Bears win or another Eberflus loss? Talk to you Monday night. See ya. We see what was up your sleeve or I don't know. What's up yours?